Twas the Tuesday before Christmas and all through Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe and Big Al's stockings were stuffed with your money questions. First, there's equal withdrawal, rebalancing last year performance, three and seven year moving average, the Cape median, and more. So which strategy do the fellas like best for withdrawing money from a properly tax-diversified and properly asset-diversified retirement portfolio? Joe gets in the giving spirit with an epic Christmas rant in response to that one. Plus, the fellas discuss early retirement, specifically calculating taxes correctly for it and what part dollar cost averaging plays in planning for early retirement, as well as spreading SIPC risk, understanding the discrepancy in basis on a limited partnership, the tax advantages of a health savings account or HSA, and some vehement listener comments on our discussion of paying off the mortgage in podcast number 302. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Trying to get through them as fast as we can, uh, but the, the bag just kind of keeps filling up. Hello, I have a mega backdoor Roth question wrapped in a whole life indexed annuity. Uh, just kidding. Hope Joe's head didn't. <laughs> almost did there, my friend. Almost yeah, did. Mine almost did just here and then. Oh, God. Uh, there's a lot of material out there about growing wealth, the accumulation phase, but not a lot of the mechanics of withdrawing money in retirement distribution. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on how best to withdraw from a portfolio containing multiple investment accounts in retirement, taxable, Roth, uh, and 401k. The best discussion on this topic I've been able to find so far is from the following. Uh, So it's a little money article um, in Money Magazine. The article identifies a handful of options. One, equal proportional withdrawal. Two, rebalancing. Three, last year performance, four, three-year moving average, five, seven-year moving average, and then the CAPE median. Oh, man, we haven't talked about CAPE ratios in No, we haven't. Long you time. Want to, want to get into that? Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, the CAPE 10. What, um, what are your general thoughts on withdrawal strategies, not only among accounts, but also from various mutual fund ETFs funds within the accounts? Oh, and I drive a 2015 Honda Fit I bought used. I'm a cat person. Can't wait to hear what you think. He drives what I used to drive. So he drives a 2015 Honda Fit and is a cat person. He wants to know what I think about him. <laughs> well, Honda you couldn't. Fit. Huh? You couldn't drive a St. Bernard in that. It's too small. So that's Guaranteed. why he's a cat person. Yes, without a doubt. Anytime I see someone driving that, I'm like, guaranteed there's like 50 cats in that, that, <laughs> that dude's house. I'll have you know I still own a 2019 Honda Fit, and I do not own any cats. I what? believe you do, Andy. Uh, you that's, do you own cats? Yeah, you've got cats all over the place. Make <laughs> <laughs> um, your own reality, Joe. Yes. I like my reality sometimes. It's better than the normal reality of life. All right. So what's the so what's he asking? What's he wants us our he wants our opinion, Al. Uh, he wants um, to know how to and I so his 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 comment is correct. There is a lot on growing wealth, but very little on distribution strategy. So I, I agree with that comment. Okay. So he, he wants to know what we think. All well, right. how, how do we how would how do we go about withdrawal? strategies yes we talk about it quite a bit so let's just let's just break this thing down he's like equal proportionate withdrawal 
All right, so that's number one. So what does that mean? All right, well, you're going to take an equal withdrawal from each of the different accounts. I don't think that's the appropriate. Let's just talk about tax for a second. If I had an equal amount of money in a Roth IRA, a 401k, and a brokerage account, how I would want to look at my distribution is first, A, this. How much, what is my percentage that is coming out of the portfolio? And then, depending on what my tax bracket is, I'm going to take money from my 401k account out to get me to the top of the 12% tax bracket. I'm either going to spend that money or I'm going to convert it. So I'm going to max out that 12% tax bracket regardless every single year for ordinary income. I'm either going to convert the money into a Roth or I'm going to spend the money. If I want additional dollars to live off of, that's when I'll go to the brokerage account. If I want more money to go to live off of, that's when I would go to the Roth account. If I can keep myself in those lower brackets using the 401k first, Right, looking at my taxable income, so adding up my taxable income outside of any distributions from retirement accounts, I would fill up that 12 or 22% tax bracket depending on the amount of wealth that I would have. So that's how I would look at it tax-wise. Would you agree with that, Al? I, I agree with that. And the first one mentioned here really has to do with which pool you take the money out, which has nothing to do with these other five. These other five figure out which asset you sell inside of the tax pools. So I think you're perfect, Joe. I think you start with which tax pool to take it out of. Then you figure out which asset to sell within the tax pool. Right, because what you have to figure out is, well, first, what's the shortfall of the money that you're trying to generate? What's the income? What's the demand for the portfolio? And if it's X amount of dollars, then how do you get X amount of dollars with the least amount of tax possible? Yeah, that's that's the whole reason you have a Roth and taxable money so that you can stay out of high brackets. So pay attention to that every single year. Right. You know, the, the whole reason why we're talking about Roths every damn week, it's because you can control your taxes in retirement. Then we get questions like this. Listen to you every week while I'm walking my St. Bernard in Alaska doing the dishes. Love it. <laughs> Love Big Al. Andy, thanks so much for keeping these knuckleheads together. Uh, <laughs> we listen to you on the dinner table. But then you ask questions, and you're not even listening. I promise I won't ask anything about a Roth. Well, why are you doing a Roth in the first place? If you, I've got a love-hate relationship with these folks. <laughs> you do. So, And then the second is to figure out, all right, well, if you need $50,000 a year from the overall portfolio, you need over a million dollars in the portfolio. So how much is in a Roth versus how much is in a brokerage account? Then how much is in the traditional IRA? Then you have to figure out, all right, well, if I'm going to keep myself in certain brackets by taking out money from my traditional, from my brokerage account, from my Roth, then I would just do the calculation to make sure that I have enough safe money in those accounts over the next 10 years so I don't give a rat about what happened to the market so I'm saving money on tax. I'm controlling my risk. I'm controlling my fees and costs because I'm using low-cost funds, index funds, ETFs, right? There's a rhyme and reason why we go through all these different strategies. So you can't just listen to one thing and implement that without really understanding what the overall end result is. Thank you for the question. You know what, Al? Let's say if something happened, right? Let's say a big company buys us out. Okay. I think our, our freedom of really talking our mind on this show would <laughs> it would go right away wouldn't it <laughs> right away first thing on the list is like yeah we're we're getting rid of that show as knuckleheads that just say anything they want because here's here's why i love doing this program is that 
we just talking to a microphone, right? I don't know who's on the other side. And we read these questions and we kind of make believe on who these people are. Except for Schmidt, he actually gave me a picture now. Now I can picture Schmidt driving that bike with that long hair. He's a badass. <laughs> Love Schmidt. I haven't yeah. even told that story yet. But uh, but other people, we we don't know. You know, we kind of. But it's a nice release for me, because there's no way I could ever talk this way in the office in front of a client. <laughs> I've seen you do it. Well, maybe once or twice. <laughs> But right, you get fired up, and then you know. Here, we can just talk our mind. We can be honest, and we can be free. That is true. It it gives us that freedom, and which I I appreciate that too. Yeah, especially when you go on a rant, then I can just sort of sit back and listen. Yes, I know. Entertaining parts. I know I'm not going to get a word in, so I try. (laughs) Uh, well, I love you, Big Al. That's same, Jeff. It's the season, right? Merry Merry Christmas. (laughs) Love you, Andy. Same Love you I, I wish we could all just hug, but then you'd probably give me COVID. <laughs> <laughs> She's being the most careful of the three of us. Yeah. I think I'm being the most careful of anybody in the entire company. Yep. She's very yeah. smart. Have you She's left your home yet? No. I have not <laughs> left my I've not left this room since March. <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's that behind you? Is that records or what are we looking at? Yeah, yeah. that's fifteen hundred records. So yeah, you what, 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 what number are you on? 750? <laughs> I, I think I've listened to maybe 10 of them. Oh, okay. Oh, you could last like another 10 years then. Oh, yeah. Totally. We got Lauren from Florida. I have a 401k at a former employer that is split between Roth and traditional. Can I roll over just the Roth portion into the Roth IRA and leave the traditional portion for the 401k? How does the custodian determine which funds are in each portion, Roth and traditional? And what is contribution versus earnings none of my statements break this down and what specific funds are in each portion of the account i want to leave the traditional portion in the 401k so i can contribute so i can continue to fund my roth ira using ah the one and only backdoor (laughs) strategy yeah you knew that was coming i knew it was coming um okay so lauren what i guess on her statement she's just seeing a balance and it's saying roth is this and then um, traditional is this, but w- when she's looking under um, into the details of the statement, it's not necessarily breaking things down. Uh, the answer is no. Once you like roll that money over, unless you do an in-service withdrawal, you could do that. But I don't know if you're an active participant of the plan. So an in-service distribution means that you're still an active participant. If you're not, can you do a partial rollover? And can the partial rollover go into an IRA and she just wants the pre or the Roth component go into the Roth IRA and keep the 401k standard because if she rolls the pre-tax into an IRA that's going to screw up the backdoor Roth in regards to the pro rata and aggregation rules um you need to check with your plan document but my answer is no it'd be pretty hard to do that which i've seen especially if you don't even know what you have in Roth versus traditional and what, how it's broken down, um, but you would have to ask your 401k provider um, because all plans are created a little bit differently. Um, so you would want to start there, but um, I don't think, I don't think Lauren can. Yeah. I think we well, doing a lot of plans though, allow more flexibility once you're over 59 and a half. So maybe at that age you could. Maybe. Um, but you're right. It depends upon the plan. 
Yeah. And they're getting a lot more flexible too with the Roth provisions in the, in the overall plan. Um, because usually when you take a distribution from 401k plans that have a Roth provision, it's pro rata. So if it's 50% Roth, 50% pre-tax, you take a buck out, you're going to get half tax-free, half taxable. Um, so if you're trying to segregate from a distribution or a rollover from the 401k just to say, I want the Roth money to go out and keep the 401k in the 401k, uh, that might be challenging. I don't know if she's retired um, or not, but what you could do is this. You could roll over the Roth component. Um, oh, you know what? It, it says 401k at a former employer. Oh, then just roll the 401k. So put the money into the Roth, roll it out of the 401k plan, put it into the Roth IRA, okay, and then put the other money into a rollover IRA. And then from the rollover IRA, move that into your current 401k plan. That will solve your problem. There you go, if you have one. If you have one. If you don't, <laughs> then just keep it in the plan. But yeah. she's still, she's working. She's got to earn income to make the IRA contribution to do the, the, the back door. Sure. So if you want to isolate the Roth component, that's one way to do it. Instead, I don't think you can do an in-service distribution from a plan and say, I only want the Roth money to come out, keep the IRA balance in. Um, it's up to the plan, Doc, but I'm saying no. But a better way to do it is to roll the money out, move the Roth money into the Roth, the traditional uh, or the pre-tax into an IRA, make sure it's a rollover IRA, and then roll over that IRA into your current 401k plan, um, and then that isolated everything perfect all right hopefully that helps we're only a week away from the end of the year so have you done everything you can to reduce your 2020 taxes if you missed our live ymyw 2020 end of year tax planning webinar you can watch it in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com you can also download the 2020 tax planning guide and watch tackle your taxes that's the latest episode of ymyw tv Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get to the show notes, access all these free financial resources along with the entire episode transcript, and share all of this stuff with anyone who will benefit from it. And if you're left with more money questions, click Ask Joe and Al on air there in the show notes as well and send them on in. We're still working on a backlog of emails, so the fellas will have plenty of answers to those questions in 2021. Got an email here from Karen from Florida. Hello, Big Al. Joe and Andy, love the podcast and appreciate the information you provide. My husband and I live in Florida and are planning to early, um, planning to retire early in our 40s with a portfolio of $1.7 million. We are considering the following drawdown strategy and are wondering if we're calculating the taxes correctly. Okay. I guess that's why you get first billing there, Big Yeah, Al. there's a tax question. Tax question. Because I don't know anything about taxes, apparently. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see here. She's got a, let's say, four uh, four fifty seven plan, twenty four thousand dollars a year. She wants to take from there because they're retiring in their early forties or mid forties or late forties. Yeah, early um, in our forties. Early in our forties. All right, so like me, early <laughs> early in my forties. But you're still working. I'm see, you're, I'm still grinding away. You are no yeah, so you're mid forties. I am very much early forties. Okay. Uh, brokerage is thirty thousand, uh, thirty thousand dollars a year. Uh, okay, approximately twenty thousand. Give us, uh, give or take long term capital gains, and then four hundred three b to Roth conversion forty thousand dollars a year. Are you following any of this, Al? Yeah. So she's giving us her income. So I already have a correction because. 
the next line it says total taxable income 92,000. First of all, what she means is total adjusted gross income, not taxable income. And secondly, if you add those three numbers together, you get 102,000, not 92. So besides that, we're on track. <laughs> She's got a dial. Is what you're saying? <laughs> so far so good with those couple <laughs> caveats. <laughs> okay, uh Karen, so your your gross income is 102, not 92. Minus uh, 24,400 federal exemption. It's not an exemption. It's a standard deduction. It's a standard deduction. But, but you got the right idea. But, but close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so total 67,600. Under 80,000, therefore, long-term capital gains tax will be at zero. Uh, minus $20,000 capital gains. Uh, what do you think? Is she, am I doing this right? Is the sequences or the calculation correct? Thanks so much. Her, her concept is right. So her math is a little off, but her concept is right. So I'm just going to use her numbers, even though they didn't add up right. So if taxable income is 67000 okay, and she's married, so we know that uh, they are in the 12% tax bracket because you can make up to $80,000 and still be in that 12% tax bracket. So $67,000. Now, if 20000 of that 67000 is capital gains, we also know that there's no capital gains tax at all. There's no federal capital gains when you are in the 12% bracket. So that would be a correct statement. In other words, you subtract the $20,000 from the 67000 and now you're left with taxable income of $47,000, of which roughly the first $20,000 is at 10%. And the balance is at twelve percent, and that—that's what she—that's how she did this calculation, and that is correct. Um, <clears throat> trying to pull up my calculator, uh, my HP twelve C on my. Are you going to check your math on my awesome. phone? No, no, no. Um, what I was trying to figure out here is um, one seven. Um, so her well, her distribution rate, right? I mean. She's kind of taken a lot of onto the portfolio at a 102. Yeah, she's taken 54, I guess, because <clears throat> the other part's a conversion. I oh, got it. Okay. 54 is okay. Yep. All right. So still a little high at 40s. Well, you, yeah. See, we, we talk about the 4% rule, which is originally thought to work when you started retiring at age 65. If you retired at age 40 or 45, you might want to think more like 3% distribution rate. Some people might even say lower, but I, I think that's a safer place to start as a, as an approximation. Yeah. So she's close. Three percent is fifty-one grand. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but she's taking twenty-four thousand dollars a year from oh four fifty-seven. There is no ten percent penalty. Um, so you can pull money from a four fifty-seven plan at any age. Then the brokerage account is thirty thousand. Then she's doing yeah. the conversion of forty-eight thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Okay. So, so fifty four thousand bucks plus tax, so fifty three. So she's pulling fifty five hundred dollars from the overall portfolio. So um, she's all right. Well, we'll yeah. see. But we'll see how her math works out. But well, the, there's a there's a math problem. However, the concept is right. Check your check your work. Check your math. <laughs> we have one. <clears throat> Dear Joe, Big Al, and Andy love the show. First, the important stuff. Brian from Albany, New York. Welcome, Brian. Got no pets. 2015 Dodge minivan. Ooh, and this is not a Roth conversion question. Appreciate that very <laughs> much, Brian. I uh, usually listen in the morning while getting ready for work or while paddling my kayak on the local lakes and rivers. Well, that's different. 
That's cool. Um, in Albany, New York, it's probably pretty frigid to be on a kayak right now. I would think so, right? Yeah. Um, two simple questions about my 401. As I'm planning to retire as early as 2021 in no later than 2024. Okay. First, I'm a huge fan of dollar cost averaging investments. Should I do the same thing in reverse when I start to draw down my 401k? For example, should I take a distribution once a month versus quarterly or annually? Interesting thought there, Big Al. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, um, let's first answer the, well, let's explain what dollar cost averaging is. Yes is most of you that are saving inside a 401k plan or any type of retirement plan on a monthly, weekly, semi-annual basis are are dollar cost averaging. Yeah, whether you know it or not. Yes. (laughs) And so some other people um, will dollar cost average if they get a lump sum. So let's say you just received an inheritance of $100,000. Instead of investing the $100,000 right today, you're like, I'm going to put, a thousand dollars a week into the overall market and try to average out the cost. So I don't want to buy at the high. You know, that's why people do that because they're thinking, if I lump everything in right now, I know for a fact tomorrow the market's going to implode. So and I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> yes, right. So instead of saying, I'm going to put the hundred thousand dollars in in the market, I'm slowly going to put the money in because if the market goes up 10% or down 10%, right, I'm taking the average of the, uh, of the dollars that are going into the market. It kind of smooths out the ride, if you will. Right. So he wants to say, so he's asking the question, should I reverse dollar cost average when I'm taking the money out? So should I take my distributions out monthly, quarterly, annually? And um, I got some answers for Brian, but let's see what a second question is. Okay. Is it okay to have a 401k converted to an IRA at Vanguard where I have an investment account in Roth accounts? I will have well over the SPIC insurance limits on the 401k and IRA conversion alone and substantial monies in other accounts too. I'm thinking of setting up my 401 to IRA account at Fidelity for extra protection. Does that make sense? Or am I worried about take, um, yeah, you are a worry warp, Brian. <laughs> for someone that kayaks in the winter, this guy is like <laughs> way too worried about some stuff that may never happen. Yeah, I so, agree, with, agree with that one. So we, if, if you look at the studies, dollar cost averaging, it helps people's emotions, right? It, it, it will calm their nerves because if they invest today and the market tanks tomorrow, they're like, damn it, I should have invested tomorrow. Um, but if you look at the research, if you should be invested, you should be fully invested. Dollar cost averaging is fine, but if you have a lump sum, you should invest it. You would make more money because of the time value money, that the money's fully invested. So we're not big believers in dollar cost averaging, not saying that we want to help our clients implement that if they are a worry wart like Brian. Now he's worried about SPIC insurance, Al. SIPC. Yes. So that's where you get 500000 of protection at a brokerage firm. So what, what if Vanguard goes bankrupt? <laughs> the likelihood of that happening is zero. I agree. he doesn't own Vanguard stock. Vanguard's I, I, a private company. I know, but what if they abscond? What if there's fraud? Or who who knows, right? I mean, it's it's so unlikely with a company of that stature, right? 
I, w- I wouldn't worry about it. But and also he's owning companies too. Even if Vanguard had financial issues or troubles, another company would come in and take them over. Yeah. Um, unless there was fraud, right? But the the security, I don't know. Has have you ever heard? I've been in this business over twenty years. I've never heard about a claim. Yeah, you know on, what a, I mean? on a brokerage company. Yeah, me neither. And because and, you're owning individual securities in the mutual funds that he owns, or index yeah. funds, or ETFs, or whatever that he has. So I think that's an important point that's missed. It's it has it, actually Vanguard is just holding your securities. They don't own the, your securities. They're yours, right? They're, it's kind of like a safety deposit box. <laughs> They're the safety deposit box. They don't have access to your your what's inside. And you know, unless there is fraud. But if there was fraud on the on the level of Vanguard, well, this whole world would be in trouble. Yeah, I would. I would. I don't know. Maybe we get a someone that knows a hell of a lot more than we do about <laughs> this stuff. Um, <laughs> I guess it, it, Brian apparently has some cash, right? Yeah. Um, he's well over the limits. Well, yeah. well over. I'm so surprised that, you didn't start with that one. Yeah. <laughs> it means it's well over 500,000. <laughs> so it's a couple million bucks. So, um, let, let, but, but, yeah, but I want to go back to the dollar cost averaging because he actually asked, should he do that in reverse? I think he's saying, should he take the money out monthly? quarterly, annually, that my answer is I don't care when you take it out. The, the key there is that you just rebalance your investments to how they should be. So if stocks have outperformed, you take money from stocks. If stocks have underperformed, you take money from your safe money, like bonds, for example, so that every time you take money out, you're back in balance. So that's all you have to think about there. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I would look at it like this too, Brian, is that depending on what your distribution is, how much money that you're looking to create from a retirement income standpoint, um, just make sure that you have probably seven years of income that you have in safe money. What I mean by that is, or maybe even 10 years to make the math simple, since he's got well over the SPIC limits, let's say he wants $50,000 of income from the overall portfolio. 50,000 times 10 is 500,000. Just make sure that you have $500,000 in very safe money, bonds, you know, um, treasuries, tips, uh, things like that. So, if, if the markets do plummet, you're you're pulling from that safe money. If the markets are high, then you just kind of rebalance. You would take dividends or interest or thing or um, dividends or capital gains from your overall stocks. So um, I, I think Brian needs just a little bit more help on how he should be constructing his income. Um, and then from there, maybe that calms his nerves on um, everything else he's worrying about. I mean, so he, I don't know. I was going to say something. I'm not going to say it. If, like Brian, you need a little more help, you're worried about uncertainties and risk, maybe now is the time to make a New Year's resolution to get that help from a financial professional. Make sure you're considering all of the different aspects of your financial plan and goals, how they all work together, and that you're doing everything you can to keep and safely grow every last dollar available to you. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to schedule an online meeting with a certified financial planner from Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. It doesn't matter where you are in the country. And did I mention this assessment is free? It doesn't cost you anything at all, and it's very likely that they will be able to identify and implement financial strategies that can help you. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and get your free financial assessment from Pure Financial Advisors. Sid from Tennessee. Hey, guys. Well, two guys and a gal. This is Hubby and me from Tennessee. Remember that, Joe? Yes, I do remember. Hubby and me. So did, did... Did you put the Sid from Tennessee? 
she actually answered it or she put that at the bottom. Oh, and maybe put I did not include in the seat. Well, actually, she did. Thanks for oh. your insight, Sid. Oh, How okay. is Ron with two dogs, Dexter, male lab, and Noni, female shepherd? Sid, okay. Hubby's Ron. Got it. Yep. Hubby and me from Tennessee. Such a beautiful rhyme. <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm marveling at that. Sounds like a song. All right. Um, let's see what Hubby and me from Tennessee has to say this time. Now, we have an investment that is a limited partnership that trades publicly. Uh, the partnership is Brookfield Infrastructure Partners. BIP. We get an annual K-1 from them and that I report the income tax purposes. Uh, we do our own taxes. Of course you do. Uh, we bought this investment in 2017. In every quarter, receive distributions that I haven't been paying close attention to, but come quarterly in three buckets, a partnership distribution, an interest distribution, and a dividend distribution. Note the dividend distribution happened only one time in December 2017 and replaced a partnership distribution. Maybe a reporting error? Earlier this month, we sold a portion of this investment. That has been the only transaction since the purchase. When the account settled using Vanguard's brokerage, I noticed the cost basis by the broker was lower than the cost basis I have when purchased. Broker cost basis, $32 a share. Purchase cost basis, $36 a share. Can you please help me understand the discrepancy? Does the partnership distribution change the equity cost basis? Thanks for your insight. Sid, hubby is Ron with two dogs, Dexter, male lab, and Noni, female shepherd. FYI, he sent a question back in April on holding bonds to maturity as a way to provide fixed income. Great discussion. Of course. And she Podcast references. 270. She's actually yeah. giving us a, a plug so that people can go back and listen to the other great conversation. Such a good conversation. Podcast <laughs> you remember that right now? Oh, big time. Yeah. No. We're, what are we? We're at like 300 now, right? Uh, by the time this airs, it'll be like 305 or 306. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Al, what's going on with her basis? Is it a mistake by the broker or is it a mistake by hubby and me from Tennessee? Uh, it's neither. Let me explain. So when, when you invest in a limited partnership, that think of that as an entity that has its own tax basis for when they buy the property or whatever the investment is, usually a property, right? It has its own basis inside of the LLC or limited partnership. I guess is a limited partnership. Um, when you buy into it, you're not necessarily buying for that same exact price. So that gives rise to what accountants like to call inside and outside basis. That's way too complicated. Don't worry about that term, but here's what you do. Your cost basis is correct. So by the time you put it on schedule D, which is where you show capital gains, there's a column uh, where you can put adjustments to the broker basis. And that's where you put the difference and that'll and, and just make it come to your cost basis. That's why it happens. There's a different basis inside a partnership versus outside. That's that's what's going on. Inside and outside. You like that, right? Inside and outside basis. <laughs> when I first heard that, Joe, 25 years ago, I thought, what the heck are you talking about? That's how but, I feel right now, 25 years later. I know. Now you're going to have, in 25 years from now, you'll be able to explain it. <laughs> That's not a chance. <laughs> if I'm talking about inside and outside basis in 25 years, please shoot me. <laughs> well, we're going to have to have Sid right back, and then she'll, uh, she'll oh. ask it again. 
if I'm on this show in 25 years, <laughs> it definitely has gone wrong in my overall financial plan. If I'm on it in 25 years, can you imagine? Oh that's uh, that's going to be, uh, I don't know. That, that might be a little rough. <laughs> what did you say again, Joe? <laughs> yeah, I remember that from hubby and me. <laughs> oh, damn, inside, outside. <laughs> what? Are you outside? Only our only the accountants listening understand what that means, inside outside basis. But who cares? Just fix it on the schedule of D. Uh got Shauna from Houston. Shauna or Shana? Yeah, it's your call. I like I like Shauna. I didn't yeah. call her to find out how she pronounces her name. Shauna. Might be okay. Shanna. Shanna. Could be a Shana Shauna. All right. Uh, thank you, Joe and Al, for your expertise through the years. I've implemented a lot of your advice, and I'm grateful for you both. Thank you, Andy, for keeping these two in check. LOL. 38-year-old single female has been maxing out my HSA for four years now. I keep hearing about the investment saving and advantages, but don't quite understand. So can you give me a brief overview on the HSA account and its tax savings and the advantages to invest within this account? Thank you. All right, Shauna, HSA, Al, what do you got? Well, HSA, that's a health savings account. That's only available if you have a high deductible insurance policy, uh, which I don't have those numbers in front of me. But, you know, the typical uh, uh, health insurance policy that you have that you know that you think of is not HSA because there's like there's a forty dollar office visit and you get seven hundred fifty dollars and then they're paying you know then then they're paying they're paying like eighty percent of it blah 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 but let's say you've got a high deductible plan. you're really you're really tight on it. <laughs> On insurance. Well, <laughs> big time, man. Well, why are you asking the CPA about insurance? But let, let me let me tell you, let me now move on to the tax part. I'm tight on that. <laughs> so the tax part is assuming you have a high deductible plan, which I posed explaining, but um, assuming you have one, talk to your HR department to see if you do. <laughs> then um, if uh, let's see. You said you're single, so you can put thirty five hundred bucks, thirty five fifty in, uh, and you get a tax deduction, which is really cool. And then you can use that money uh, uh, for medical expenses. You don't ever have to pay tax on it. In fact, the growth on it and the income on it, you don't ever have to pay taxes on it either, as long as it's used for medical. So if you qualify, if you have a high deductible health insurance plan, it's a, it's a great idea to do it because not only do you get a tax deduction, but you never pay tax on that because if you use it for medical. Right. And then you can, there, there's a couple of different types of accounts that you can op open up within the overall health savings aspect of it. So you got the high deductible insurance part, but then you have the savings plan that you're putting in your 3550 and let's say you've you've maxed it out over four years. Let's say you got fifteen thousand bucks in it. Um, you could use a standard like checking account, you know, like an interest bearing account that that has no risk. So it's just almost like a money market account. Um, or you could invest it actually in in mutual funds if you wanted to. Um, you just have to take a look at your HSA provider and find that the the savings account aspect of of the health. Um, Savings account. <laughs> Easy for you to say. I was, was going to say it. a curse word. Um, 
<laughs> yes, uh, but you can. But but we would probably say just keep it in the money market account, just in case you have. But she's thirty eight; she's young and healthy, so yeah, probably I, no need. I, I think but, you, you invest it. I mean, why not, right? Yeah, and then, but you cannot have a health savings account once you reach age sixty five. Because uh, then you're Medicare eligible. But if you have a lot of money in the health savings account, you can still use the health savings account for medical exp- um, ex- uh, expenses, or you could roll it into an IRA if you wanted to as well. So, um, but yeah, it's a triple tax advantage. Yeah, I like it if you qualify. Yeah, tax deductible, tax deferred, and then tax free coming yeah. out. Triple, triple threat. Like a triple threat. I had some real cheesy ass um, insurance agent was trying to sell me on the HSA. The triple, the triple um, trifecta. The trifecta. That's that's what he called it. That's the trifecta. This is what you want, Joe. You want the trifecta. Let me explain. (laughs) Al, we got we got some like fired up people um, on this podcast. We get a few. I don't know when was that show. Uh, paying off your mortgage? That was oh, about three really? episodes okay. ago now. Yeah. Boy. Okay. Carlos, he writes in, my mortgage is paid off. Don't waste your time sending me information about mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, well, I got that email. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, Carlos? Calm down. Slow your roll, bro. It's just, <laughs> what? I'm not trying to sell you a mortgage. It was like our podcast newsletter. You're the one that subscribed. We should have combed through our mailing list of, what, 20,000 people and pulled them his name out? <laughs> I didn't know Carlos's mortgages was paid off. What are we doing? We got a, Our crack marketing team needs to button their, their, their stuff up here. I bet he gave us like a one-star review. We got a couple one-star reviews. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, how, many, how many total one-star reviews we got now? Uh, seven. 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 But we've also because, got 165 star reviews. So, Oh, but is the one star is because we're, we talk nonsense. and I don't know. Talking, because talking no, we're talking, <laughs> talking about mortgages. And then we got Don. He, he, he wrote in, too. He goes, yes, without a doubt, debt <laughs> is a thief. Your house is not just an asset. It's your home. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, boy. I bet he's a minister. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Life brings ups and downs when a crisis comes. You know, and it will. You don't need another crisis. <laughs> oh, boy. Doom and gloomer. Thanks for the advice, Tom. Oh, man. Borrowing on your home is just a way of making a crisis into a disaster. So only foolish people or unlearned people borrow on their home. Remember 26 through 2011 when 3 million people lost their homes because of poor advice from financial planners like you? He didn't say like you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he meant, though. (laughs) I believe history is going to repeat itself again, too, within the next two years, as it has lasted 100-plus years. And unfortunately, people that have listened to advisors that would suggest they borrow on their homes won't be around when this disaster hits. Wow, this really struck a chord with Don. <laughs> the tax deduction never outweighs the benefit of you owning your home. I wonder if he sounds like that, too. Do you like my impersonation of <laughs> yeah, Don? Yeah, that's why I think he's a minister. Uh, you will only realize 25% or 30% back. You will still leave 70% of the home to the bank. If your home is not paid off, 
pay off your <laughs> as early as you can. Done. <laughs> repent. <laughs> repent. I'm with you. I'm with you. Happy yeah, holidays. I, I don't think we disagree with any of this. I mean, I, I mean, so first of all, Don, it's very hard to buy a home with cash. So most people, <laughs> people have a little partic- bit of debt, particularly in San Diego. They don't have five hundred thousand or a million lying around, so they have to borrow. But if you're talking about someone in retirement, yeah, if you can get that that debt paid off, go for it. I don't think hey, we ever said take out a bunch of uh, you know and buy life insurance. That's yeah. That's, I mean, I, um, I, we've never said that. I, I mean, there 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 might be one case in a thousand where we. Because of Roth conversions and taxes, we might say it because someone has a huge pension. Yeah, right. They right, have two hundred thousand dollars in fixed income. Right, but in in general, Don, I I agree with your comment. Why why would you borrow against your home? Why why create that stress if you're in retirement? Now, for the rest of you, and we've seen this problem is is they people go ahead and they 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 pay off their mortgage with every cent they have, and then they retire with no mortgage and no cash. It's like, well, you can't eat your house for dinner, right? <laughs> At least, as far well, as Don, I know. If there's a disaster coming, and it's a crisis. <laughs> he said crisis like six times in this email. He did. Yes, without a doubt, debt is a thief. <laughs> All right, Don, relax. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for listening once again. We'll be back again, I don't know, next week. Andy's on vacation. So, it's I don't all know. Right. You won't notice I'm gone. The show will continue uh, as if I was still well, there. Well, she's going to be grinding away on vacation. Yeah, right. Yep. All right. So, uh, okay. I guess you'll see us next week. Show's got your money. You're welcome. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and thank you all for being a part of the quirky, fun YMYW family. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 for your free financial assessment. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.